Bibles, go to Philippians chapter 1 tonight, and we're going to continue our series on finding joy in the journey. And it's good to have this family here with us. They were here uh, right after the service this morning. Welcome tonight. And uh, if you haven't got a chance to meet them, maybe after the service, you can shake their hand, get to know them a little bit. And uh, so let's, let's turn there, and if you, hopefully you got a copy of the outline as we continue this series of that it's a choice to rejoice. It's a choice to rejoice. And so if you're able to tonight, let's stand for a few verses out of Philippians chapter 1, and beginning in verse number uh, 9 tonight, beginning in verse number 9, <clears throat> the Bible says, and this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. And when you look at these couple verses, uh, there's so many nuggets in the Word of God. I hope you pay attention as you go through the Word of God. And, uh, you know, a lot of times I, I know people think, you know, I, I like to just alliterate everything. I don't. Uh, alliteration is where you start your, your points with all the same letter. But a lot of times the reason I do that is because it is commonly known that there are certain mnemonic tools, memory tools, that help things to affix to your mind easier. And so a lot of times that's the reason I do that. It's not uh, some uh, weird hang-up. But uh, when you look at the Word of God, sometimes you find the very same things. For instance, look in verse number 9. Notice the word abound. Everybody see the word abound? Okay. Look at verse number 10. Look at the fourth word. What is it? Approve. And then you're looking in verse number 11, you're looking for an A word, right? There is a one, okay? So when you look there, other than the word and, the verb there, being filled, with this, which is actually a participle, that's dealing with abundance, being filled. How many of you got filled at Christmas, right? In other words, we'll, we'll say something like this, oh, I ate too much, right? And then you'll turn right around and do it again at Christmas, won't you? Some of you probably did it for lunch today, <laughs> Abundance. So when you look at it, three key words here, abound, approve, and abundance. Right here in the text, we're going to take a look at this matter of being filled with the fruit of God, with God's fruit. How many of you like fruit? And I love fruit. I love ripe fruit. And uh, some people have different ideas about fruit. Some people like their fruit crunchy. Some like it kind of soggy. Uh, but listen, honestly, we had, uh, we had some dear folks that showed up at the hospital. We were trying to get out of the hospital, and as we were trying to get out of the hospital, one of the church families and, and some people that did come visit my wife, uh, I'm going to tell you something, Memorial Hospital is crazy. It takes you about a half an hour to find a parking spot. It, it's just unbelievable. And, uh, and, and so here comes this family, and they had an entire bag of fruit. They had apples, they had oranges, they had bananas, and they had pears. I mean, they had a bag full of fruit. I brought that home, we started eating on that, and I love fruit, but you know, God wants us to be filled with His fruit. And the Bible talks about that we would bear much fruit. And that's, that's what God desires for every one of us, 
And so listen, there's a lot of things we can be filled with, but let's be filled with the fruit of God. And so let's have a word of prayer and we'll get into the message tonight. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to open the word of God. Pray that you bless the service tonight. Be with uh, Master's Club and uh, Brother Jerry, Miss Carla, those that are helping the children. And uh, Lord, thank you that they're learning the word of God on a level that they, uh, they can understand, relate to. And Lord, I pray tonight as adults that we would listen and that we would receive what you have for us during this hour. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. As you look at these couple of verses, one thing that I'm constantly reminded of, especially in the recent days of our life, is all of us every day need the wisdom of God. Uh, that ought to be a prayer. The Bible says in the book of James that uh, every one of us that lack wisdom, you know, the truth is we all do. But the Bible says that we can go to God and we can ask of him and he give it to all men liberally. God wants to help us to, uh, to have wisdom to make decisions in our lives. We face decisions with our children. We face decisions when it comes to our marriages. We face decisions when it comes to our jobs and our careers. There are all kinds of decisions that we face and what we need with every one of those decisions is we need God's wisdom. Lord, what would you have me to do? Uh, Lord, how would you have me to raise my children? What job would you have me to work? And uh, where would you have me to live? What church would you have me to go to? We need to seek God for wisdom. Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. You ever met somebody like that who says, listen, I, I understand that, but I don't want to listen to that. You know, sometimes I, I talk to, you know, when, when I was out in California and, and God allowed us to be planted in a tremendous church and then God allowed me to teach in a Bible college for about a dozen years, it's amazing how every year the freshman class would show up and they knew everything. It's like, how are we going to teach these students? They already know it all, you know? By the time they were a senior, they realized they didn't know anything, you know? And, and, you know, the older I get, the more I realize that I need wisdom more today than I needed it yesterday. And all of us need to understand that when we live as a child of God, we need to live with a full dependence on God. We need to be utterly dependent on Him, and, and we should desire to practice God's presence in our lives. Listen, folks, it does not please the Lord when we step outside of or we choose to live outside the will of God. We need to make sure that we are doing what is acceptable in His sight. Well, how do we do that? Well, here's three verses, and from these words that I shared with you, I'm going to give you three key words tonight that every one of us need to take with us every day of our lives as a Christian. Here's the first one, write it down, is we need to discern. We need to discern. Again, look at verse number nine. This I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Now, the word discern means we need to recognize, we need to perceive in our lives what is, what is good in the sight of God. Now, the word that I gave you was the word abound. Here's what it means. It means that which overflows into one thing. It means to excel. It's kind of, a, here's a great illustration, is it's a flower that goes from a bud to something that is in full bloom. 
And that is the illustration that God has for your life is when you came to know Christ as your Savior, you were like that flower that was a bud. And what God wants you and I to do is to discern in our lives, to abound in knowledge and in this matter of wisdom and judgment. And as we do that, our lives will bloom. And these were two areas that Paul was praying, and that's what it says. Look at verse number 9. This I pray. This was the Apostle Paul's prayer for those in Philippi that their love would abound, that their love would bloom. Now, there's a lot of Christians that say they love, but when it comes to certain things, it's evident that they love in word only, but not in deed. And there's two areas that he shares in verse number nine. Look at the first one. He tells them they're in Philippi, and God has preserved it for us that we need to abound in knowledge. This is talking about something that is precise, something that is correct. There's a lot out there that people feel like, hey, listen, that is something that I need to be aware of. But remember that the knowledge that Paul's talking about here relates to love that is something built upon God's love. In other words, we need to look at what God says love is, and then we need to have the knowledge that my love needs to be like the Lord's love. Look at, look at here's an example. 1 John 4, look at these verses. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Look, the very definition of who God is, is that God is love. Now look, as it continues, look at it. John writes, in this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world, that's Christmas, all right? He sent his son into the world that we might live through him. That's what God wants us to do is that our life is in Christ. We live through him. And look, herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So folks, look, long before you could honestly say in your heart, I love God, the Bible says, while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. God so loved the world. Listen, the sinful world. Every one of us, God loved us first before we ever loved him. So when you look at what he's saying, abounded knowledge, our love should be something that is without. Look, we need to make sure that we have truth and righteousness. Our love should act with knowledge. In other words, we should understand what's going on from the word of God. This is God's type of love. Don't make sure that your love is not something that is built or based on emotion. You know why? Because emotions come and go. Some people are very emotional, especially during the holiday season. I try to make sure that my love is based on God's love. That's the example. If we are born of God, if we are saved, then we should love the way God loved us. And so what is his prayer? His prayer is is that they would abound in love, they would abound in their knowledge of love, but look at secondly, that they would abound in judgment. Now it's interesting that he put knowledge and judgment together in the same verse. The word judgment here means perception. Now here's the catch with this word. It's perception 
not only by the senses, but by the intellect. In other words, it's a discernment of that which is moral or ethical. Uh, you hear people say sometimes love is blind, right? Have you ever heard that? And, and sometimes you see certain couples together and you see this pretty girl and this, well, this just this unfortunate guy. And you think love must be blind, right? I know that's what happened to me, you know. But, but here's the thing is, is that uh, love is not blind. It should have the ability, love should have the ability to discern between good and evil and right and wrong. We need to understand what is right in the sight of God and what is wrong in the sight of God. The Bible says, look at Proverbs 22, 3, a prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. See, God gave us something uh, in, our, in our faculty that we can use discernment, and we receive that discernment when we receive the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. And that, that way we could make sound and right judgments on certain matters of life. Sometimes I see people, people making certain decisions, and I think to myself, I don't really know if they use discernment in that matter. Because if they would have sought the Lord's leading in that, like I've, I've seen, honestly, I've seen situations. I remember one time, uh, one of the first ministries I was involved in, we had two families in our church that were very good friends, and they, they did a lot of things together. Uh, they went on vacations together. They went over to each other's houses to kind of hang out. They, they barbecued together, special uh, holidays, things like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Their children, a lot of their children were the same ages. They became good friends. I'll never forget the day that one of the men told my pastor, he said, uh, listen, I just want you to know that I'm leaving my wife for so-and-so's wife. And, and I looked at my pastor and I said, he's going to what? And my pastor said, Dane, that's only half the story. Because the other man said he's going to leave his wife for the other guy's wife. I mean, it's like something out of a, out of a romance novel or something. And, you know, God's my witness. I, I, my heart just hit the floor. I was like, what? And we talked to those men and said, listen, you need to see the error of your ways. And here's what they said, but I love her. You know, I care about her. There was no discernment from God there. There was no prudence there. Hey, look, look what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Here's a couple verses that, that helped me over the years. The Bible mentions that you're either a natural man or a carnal man or a saved man. Now, let me explain the difference. A natural man is an unsaved person. A carnal man is one that, that could be a saved person, but they're living according to the flesh. That was what the church in Corinth, they were struggling with because of, of a lot of things they had in their past before they got saved. And then, of course, you have saved people that know Christ as their Savior. They're living according to the Spirit of God. Everybody with me? All right. Now, look what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual, look at this now, he that is 
spiritual, discern, look at this, judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So Paul says, look, as to the church in Philippi, and God's saying to us, Bible Baptist Church, that you and I need to have used discernment that God gives to us by his Holy Spirit, that we need to abound in our love towards God in two areas. One is in knowledge, that we need to understand what God's love is, and then we need to love the way God loves us. But the second way is in this matter of judgment. Paul's prayer was that they would be discerning and that discernment would help them, secondly, to decide. Okay, in verse number 10, look at it. That ye may approve. He's talking, he says that your love may abound more and more. And in verse number 10, he says that you may approve. Because you are discerning, you can approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. Now, this is what God wants us to do, is he wants us to make some decisions. And when you decide something, here's, here's what happens is you settle something in your mind and in your heart. To, to, to decide means to determine. You made a conclusion. <laughs> we were in the hospital and... Every time a doctor or nurse came into my wife's room, they would say to my wife, somewhere in their time stepping in the door, now, do you have any questions? Every one of those people regretted ever saying that to my wife. Because my wife, there's a, there was a thing on, in her room, her hospital room, that said, if you have questions, ask. And my wife took it literally. She, she wanted to understand. She wanted to make some decisions. She wanted to be settled. She wanted to make some conclusions. Well, look, Paul says, if you are discerning, in other words, if you are being led by the Spirit of God, you understand the love of God for you. You have the knowledge of God's love, and you understand this matter of judgment in your life that you, you need to be spiritually discerned to make decisions that are pleasing to God then he says, then from that discernment, he says, you can make some decisions. Well, how do you do that? And listen, what I'm about to give you, this next point, will help you in your Christian life if you pay attention to this. Look at, first of all, what they needed to decide was what is genuine. Let me say it again. What is genuine? Folks, look, if it's not in here, it's not genuine. Look at me. If it's not in here, it's not genuine. Listen, one of the things that has hurt even a lot of Christians is they sit home on their computer and they start Googling stuff that has no basis in the Word of God. It's not genuine. And I'm going to give you some things from this passage, from the Word of God tonight, because look, if we're discerning, okay, if we're spiritually discerning, then it'll help us to make some decisions. The first decision Paul was trying to help those in Philippi was, what is genuine? Now, the word approve means to test it. I, I stopped in. I, I don't drink coffee, and I, I haven't hidden that from anybody around here. I'm not against people that do drink it. Uh, I just can't stand it. Now, I love the smell of it. I love to make it for you. I just don't want any of it. And my wife or my daughter got me hooked on one of these vanilla chai teas. 
And, uh, you know, they're, they're okay from time to time. And I was at the hospital. I felt like I kind of needed a little tea or something. And so there was this little coffee shop down in the hospital. And by the way, if you're ever there, they make really good drinks. And, and so I stopped in there. And, um, of course, my daughters, they wanted a couple of cafe con leches, and they really enjoyed those. But, but I told the lady, I said, I said, I'd like a vanilla chai tea. And so uh, she uh, did not speak my language. She spoke in tongues. And, 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 so, uh, and so she what she did was she turned around to the lady behind her who was making the drinks, and she said something in a foreign language. And I was like, I hope she told her a vanilla chai tea. So she made whatever she made, and she handed it to me. And as I was walking out, thinking this is going to be good, I took a pretty good swig of coffee. <laughs> you know, I, was, I literally almost let her fly right there in the hallway of the hospital. And I turned right around, and I, I walked back in, and I said, listen, something was lost in the translation. This is not a vanilla chai tea. This is some kind of coffee. I said, and my daughters always tell me, oh, Dad, it's not bad. Just drink it. No. And so she told the lady, and she goes, oh, no coffee. And I said, yeah, no coffee. You know, and she made it again. But folks, listen, honestly, what Paul is saying is, is that in our lives, okay, if we're discerning, okay, stay with me now, if we're discerning, then as we make decisions, we're going to examine things, we're going to prove to see if it's genuine or not. Uh, you know, <clears throat> years ago, how many of you like syrup on like your pancakes, your waffles, maybe your sausage, uh, syrup's good on everything, you know, bacon, it's just good all over, just pour it all over everything. And uh, it, 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 have you ever got syrup that says maple syrup? And you read the label. Most maple syrups say 10% maple, maple flavor. If you want to know if you have real maple syrup, it'll, for a normal small size bottle, you're talking about $25 or more. That's real maple syrup. And, and he, it is worth it. And here's the thing is, is that you have to understand that in our lives, God is saying to us, just like he did in the church in Philippi, we have to make sure that what we are discerning and the decisions we're making, that it's genuine. Well, how do we do that? We test it. There was a, a, a practice back in, and you understand, remember in the, in the days of Christ when Jesus came into the temple and uh, they had what they called the money changers, right? Remember that? And, and the, the Bible records that they would come into the temple. Now, it was a little different than our church house today. They would come into the temple. They would set up these tables. They would do it at a certain times of the year when all the Jews were coming to Jerusalem for the feast days. And they had to bring sacrifices and so on. And they had these, if I'm pronouncing it right, I think they were called munchums. <laughs> That's my best Hebrew right there. And, uh, and what, it, what it was is they knew that for a family like Mary and Joseph and others, they had to bring a sacrifice, an animal for their family. And as these poor families would come bringing their sacrificial animals, they would come into the area and they would have these temple inspectors, these munches, that would inspect their animals. And oftentimes, because it was a racket, they would, they would look at them and they'd say, oh, there's, there's something wrong with this animal. 
But over here behind door number two, we just happen to have another one. And I, I'm kidding around a little bit, but that's basically what they would do. And so they would sell them an animal that they said was acceptable. And then they, they used their currency. Remember, Jesus detested this, this pr process because he, he made a scourge. He came in. And remember, he overthrew the money table, tables and he chased them out of the temple. He says, my father's house is not a house of merchandise. By the way, I don't think that people ought to come into the church house selling Amway, selling uh, whatever it is. This is church. We don't do business, the world's business, in the house of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. Okay, listen, if somebody wants to sell something, they can do it outside, but this is God's house. You shouldn't have to feel like, man, I don't want to go to church because somebody's going to try to sell me something, all right? This is not for us to make business. And here's what happened. That was just extra. You, you didn't have to pay for that. I just gave that to you. But here's what happened is, is that Jesus would go in there and, and he was highly upset. Now, one of the reasons was because of this process. What they would do is they would make currency and they would shave the coins. And so oftentimes what they then started to do was weigh, they would put them on a balance. Many of us have seen the old scales, balances. They would put them on there because what they would do is they would cheat people and the money that they received was not genuine. It was fake or it had been shaved down to less of value than it was. You understand what I'm saying? And uh, Brother Chris was telling me, uh, we, we started this uh, in this softball league, some of the folks from church been having a good time, we've been getting whooped, but we were having a good time. And, and, and we started this, and Brother Chris said he went to the meeting, and they told him in the meeting that, they're, that all of our bats have to be whatever it is, USA or whatever it is, approved, they have to have a certain stamp on the bat. And I said, well, duh, what's that all about? And he said that, that people actually have shaved the bats. And I said, what for? And he said it makes the ball go farther or something. He said last year somebody hit a ball and the bat shattered. Listen, folks, people will try to cheat you out. They'll try to give you something that is not real, something that is not genuine. And every day a Christian accepts something that's not genuine. I remember in the days before I got saved, there were a lot of things that I questioned. And I remember Brother Flynn thinking, now, I don't, you know, I'm not a Bible scholar, but I don't think I've ever seen that in the Bible. And it, it began, that, that really is where my quest that ended up with me meeting the Lord Jesus as my Savior is I began to test, to examine, to prove. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you, if you would do this in your life, it will help you because you won't be blown around by every slight wind of doctrine that is not biblical. And I, I'm so tired of the devil having his way with God's people. They're here today and gone tomorrow. And we need to make sure we understand and decide what is genuine. Look what the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself what? Approved to who? Approved to the pastor? No. Approved to God. Folks, get in the word of God. People say, well, I, I just don't understand, you know, why we can't do this and why we don't do it that way. Hey, look, folks, it's not that, I, that my, it's my way or the highway as a pastor. 
We are a Bible-believing church. We will always be a Bible-believing church. And there is our curriculum right there. People that want to have some other sit-down discussion, talk about this, talk about that. Listen, we can flap our jaws somewhere else. When we come to God's house, we open God's book and we study the Word of God. And Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, every one of us need to study the Word of God. Now, God's called me to preach. I'm not very good at it, but I'll tell you this. With my heart's desire, I seek to to ask God for wisdom and discernment on what to preach, when to preach. I don't just get up here just to preach what I want. I seek the Lord's direction. And in your life, look, my wife this afternoon, you know, bless her heart, she's sitting there. And she's got her Bible open. She's studying the Word of God. She don't understand some things that are happening in her life right now. And here's what we do is we go out into the world and we seek our answers from the world when what we need to do is be discerning and decide, I'm going to go to something that has been tested, something that has proven itself to be genuine, and that's the Word of God. And the Bible says that we need to study to show ourselves Approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. And here's the key. Rightly dividing, look at the, look at the first phrase here, the word of what? The word of truth. So look, folks, we need to make sure that when we open the word of God, that we're not as many of the false religions and cults of the day. Here's what they do, is they'll take one verse... And they'll lift it from the context that God put it in. And they'll build an entire doctrine out of that one verse. I don't understand how somebody can say that that all Jews should go to hell. I don't understand that, Brother Flynn. I'd have to take this entire book and throw it in the trash can. The last time I checked, Jesus was a Jew, the king of the Jews. I I don't get some of these people who instead of taking that which is genuine, they want to take that which is not genuine. They don't want to test it. They don't want to examine it. They want to take what someone on the internet has said, someone that they've never sat under, somebody that's never been their pastor, And they want to take that and say, well, this must be the truth, and this is not the truth. Jesus said, what is truth? Now, folks, look, we've got to understand, we've got to make some decisions. And I hope, look, I hope that many of you are long past this. I hope a lot of you have decided a long time ago that I'm just going to stay with the Word of God. I know that I'm probably preaching to the choir tonight, but folks, it's right here. I'm just preaching the passage right here, verse number 10, that you may approve things that are what? Excellent. That's what the Bible says here. That you may be sincere without offense until the day of Christ. Why do some people have to be so offensive in their Christianity? If you study Jesus and his dealings with people, listen, even Jesus' dealings with the Pharisees, 
the Sadducees and many of those that were haters of Jesus, he still dealt with them with love and compassion. I never saw Jesus being mean-spirited towards someone. By the way, if he would have been, it would have clearly contradicted the Word of God. We just read the verse there. God is love, right? God is love. How many of you think God loves everyone? How many of you think God loves sinners? Aren't you glad for that? How many of you think there are sinners in this world today? Do you think God loves all of them or just some of them? All of them. But that's not what the voices in this world are saying today. That God only loves certain people. Folks, that is not genuine. As a matter of fact, I'll just be bold tonight and say that's out of the pits of hell, is what that is. See, we have to understand and make some decisions on what is genuine, what we are to approve in our lives, things that are excellent, things that are important. Paul wanted these believers to choose, to make a choice, to approve what mattered. Now listen, to approve what mattered for eternity. Eternity. We're not going to live forever, are we? Anybody in here think you're going to live forever? Don't want to pop your bubble. We're not going to live forever, but the things that we do for Christ will last. And we've got to keep this in mind as we make decisions on what is genuine. Paul wanted these believers to choose things that would help them to grow in the grace of God. Look, folks, the grace of God is so misunderstood in this day that we live in. Because either people are abusing it, everything is under grace, or it's just the opposite. Now look, and here's two things I want you to see. There's two tests, and I want you to get these, that these are things to help us find what is acceptable, what is God's best for our lives. Write it down if it's not in your notes. Number one, what's the first test? Here it is, that we need to test things by His Spirit. Test things by His Spirit. Test things by His what? By His Spirit. Look at look what it says in Ephesians 5, verse 8. Ye were sometimes darkness, that's every one of us. But now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light for the fruit of the Spirit. Look at that now. The fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 21, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. How about Romans 12? Look at this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, save people. Now look what he says. That by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Which is your, by the way, he just says that's your logikos, that's your reasonable. It's logical that you live a life that's acceptable to God. How many of you think a Christian ought to live a life acceptable to God, right? I hear a lot of Christians saying, hey, look, it's okay for me to do that. Folks, listen, if you have to justify something you're doing you are trying to go around that which is genuine around the Word of God. And a lot of people want to live their lives that way. But he says here, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. How, do, how are we transformed? By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove. Here it is again. We're proving what is genuine. Prove that which is good 
and acceptable and perfect, the perfect will of God. So look, the first test when somebody says, hey, look, you need, to, you need to listen to this, you need to believe this, you need to be a part of this, the first thing you need to do is you need to test it by the Holy Spirit. If I gave you, look, if I gave you, how many of you like eggs? How many of you like artificial eggs? Nobody. Because if I gave you some, you'd say, these aren't real eggs. How do you know? Because you've tested them before. You know what is genuine. Look, the more, the more you're discerning, the more the Holy Spirit helps you. When something comes along as a Christian, if you're spiritually discerned and you understand the love of God and you have the knowledge of the love of God and you, you are spiritually discerning about those matters, it's going to help you. When something comes along, you're going to go like this. Uh-uh, don't want it. It's not genuine because you've tested it by His Spirit. Look at the second test. I want you to see this one. The second one is we need to test things by the scriptures. Rightly dividing the word of truth. I, Brother Gilbert and Brother Richie and others, and I, I love this. Maybe some of you do too, but a lot of times they get together. Brother Gilbert doesn't say to me, hey, pastor, we got together and talked about, you know, sports. We got together and talked about this. We got no, a lot of times, Brother Gilbert, he'll, he'll say, Pastor, we got into a Bible study. The other day, he texted me, and he was telling me what he taught the men at the VA. I read that text, and I was like, good night. Guy needs to be a preacher. All the stuff that he was teaching those men at the VA, I thought, man, bless him for studying the Word of God, sharing that with him. Now, he doesn't do that for anybody, and he probably doesn't like me saying that. And by the way, it wasn't in my notes, Brother Gilbert. The Holy Spirit gave it to me. But here's the thing is, is that, that, that understand that he doesn't just go into the VA and just say, hey, listen, this is what Gerald Gilbert believes, and you need to believe it because I believe it. No, he opens up the Bible. He studied the Bible. He has searched the Scriptures, and what he does is he goes in there and he opens up the Bible, and he shows them what the Bible has to say. Because, you know, listen, the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. People don't need our little cute little stories. They need the Word of God. I used that little thing from Charles Schultz this morning, and it was a silly little thing, but honestly, it was the truth. You know, little Linus, he understands what Christmas is really all about. And people need to know the truth. Why? Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you what? Free. Free. People need the truth. You know why? Because they're in bondage. People need to be set free. So we've got to be discerning. We've got to make some decisions on what is genuine. Look what the Bible says. Look at these verses. I know you've seen them before, but as we test things by the scripture, the Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of who? And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now look at the last verse. That the man of God, by the way, that's not talking about a pastor. That's every Christian. That as you look at this, that we may be perfect. The word doesn't mean flawless. That means maturing. The Bible says that we may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Where does that start? Look here. Starts right there. How much of this, how much of this is God's word? 
All. All means what? All, right? Now, that means that you're going to have to leave your index and your maps because those aren't inspired of God. You know, a lot of times people ask me, and some of, sometimes it's ignorance, sometimes people don't know, but sometimes people ask me about certain books that are not in the Word of God. And they say, what do you think about that? And I, I'll tell them, I'll say, if it's not inspired of God, then it's not the Bible. See, look, folks, we need to test things by the Holy Spirit. We need to test things by the Scriptures. Let, let me help you with something. Somebody comes to you and asks you a question. Okay, y'all listening? I'm going to help you. Somebody comes to you and they ask you a question. Here's what you need to do. Say to them, well, show me that in the Bible. Let's practice saying that. Show me that in the Bible. Come on, say it like you mean it. Show me that in the Bible. Now, you know what's going to happen about 60 or 80% of those things that they come to you about? They won't be able to turn to anything. And the other things that they come to you and say, well, here, let me show you. And here's what they're going to do. They're going to go to one isolated verse. How many of you believe that God wants people to go to hell? I've had people tell me that. And so, and so I'll, I'll say to them, show me that in the Bible. <clears throat> and, and by the way, if you're spiritually discerned, then usually what I do is I'll flip to the verse that says, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I'll say, what do you think about that? See, folks, many times people that are trying to say things to you, get you to believe things, they're not things that are excellent. They're not God's word. They're things that they've heard. They're things that they believe. Folks, it isn't even about what I believe. It's about what thus saith the Lord. The only thing that's going to help you and I, especially in this day and hour we live in, is the word of God. You know why? Because all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's all God's word. Every last bit of it. Even the jot and tittle. Every last bit of it. And we need to pay attention to it. And we need, we need to look at, we need to find out what is genuine. But look at the second thing here, because look at verse number 10. Approve that which the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere, genuine, and without offense unto the day of Christ. Now look at the second thing they needed to decide was what was pure. Pure. Now, the word sincere is a compound word. Look at this word, it's interesting. Here's what it literally means. It, it's, it's a compound word. The first part of it means sunlight. The second part means to determine or to judge. When you bring these two words together for the full meaning of this word sincere, here's what it means is that it's the idea of finding something pure after having unfolded it and examined it by the sun's light. Now, just think about that, because as you take something that somebody shares with you, and you open up God's Word, and you unfold it, and you examine it in the light of God's Word, you're going to find out whether it's pure or not, whether it's genuine or not. The word sincerity is a great word. It means without wax. Again, there were certain ways that they would try to cheat people. They would sell certain things that had a crack in them. And what they would do is they would fill that crack with wax. 
Well, you know what happens when it gets hot and you have something that's filled with wax? <laughs> right? God says, I want your life and what you do and how you discern, how you decide. He says, I want you to be sincere. I want you to be without wax. I, I want you to be genuine, not fake. And our life needs to be lived in a pure way. Look at Philippians 2.15. That ye, Christians, may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, look at this, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Folks, look, does not, did not Jesus say, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven? Here we are, we're in a dark world, and he says, look, I want you to live a pure life. I want you to be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, holding forth the word of what? life. Folks, that's what the Bible is. There is life in the words of God. Jesus is the word. In him is life, life everlasting. And the Bible says that we hold forth the word of life that we can rejoice in the day of Christ that we have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Look, I feel sorry for all these people that are trying to pass off all this stuff that is not Bible-based because one day they're going to stand before the Lord and they're going to give an answer to God for their pathetic teaching and misdirecting of people's lives. Folks, that's what Jesus, that was the that main thing Jesus dealt with the Pharisees about was they had a list of rules. And Jesus said, if you've offended in one point, you've offended the whole law. No one can keep the law. And understand that we need to make sure that we're living a life that's pleasing to God. Make sure that you're living your life without wax. Peter, Peter certainly understood this, but look what the Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 14. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye be not found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Now again, folks, look, we, we're not perfect people. We're never going to be perfect people as long as we're in this flesh. But our heart's desire is that we should live for Him and that when we do sin, because we will, God has given us, and it's not a get-out-of-jail-free card, but verses in the Bible, like, for instance, 1 John 1, 9, that when we sin, that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from how much unrighteousness? All. Folks, understand that God wants us not only to discern, but to make some decisions. And we need to be sincere in seeking to do God's will. And we need to do God's will in our private thoughts and in our service for God. And listen, even in our separation from this world, we need to discern, we need to decide. But look at the third thing, then we need to deliver. Because if we are discerning about God's love, and we have knowledge of it, and we are uh, spiritually discerning, and we are making some decisions that are based on the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit is leading us to make those decisions, then there ought to be something that comes out of our lives. In other words, something that should be delivered. To deliver something means to carry it, to distribute it. Uh, look at verse number 11. Here's what he says. Being filled. 
By the way, that's a present, ongoing action. Your life, there ought to be some fruit coming out of your life. There ought to be something good coming out of your life. You know why? Because you've been discerning and you've made some decisions. And he says, being filled with what? He doesn't say the things of this world. He says, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Christ Jesus. Where those fruits come from, they come from the Lord. And look at the last part of the verse, unto the glory and praise of God. See, folks, again, we don't, it's not about us getting the glory. It's not about us getting the praise, the accolades, somebody patting us on the back. To God be the glory, great things he hath done, right? So when you think about this, look, we need to first of all deliver a product of righteousness. God's talking about some, something, first of all, that is uh, inward. It's fruits of our inward attitudes. Uh, Galatians 5 describes the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. We were at the hospital, and uh, we, we, and again, I'm not complaining. Uh, some of you have probably experienced this. We went to the hospital. I understand they can only do what they can do. I feel sorry, honestly, for uh, hospital employees, but we got there a week ago t- uh, today. We were sitting right now at this time, about four hours in the emergency room. My wife was in the hallway from, from 5.30 at night until 7 o'clock the next morning, the hallway. She was between two bathroom doors. People kept going in, coming out, going in, coming out, bumping her bed, doing this, doing that. Uh, they finally moved my wife upstairs on Monday at 7 o'clock in the morning when they moved her up there. Uh, the, the guy came to get my wife in a wheelchair, and he says, uh, I'm taking you up. He says, we, we have a room for you. He says, we've admitted you. We have a room for you. We were, we were heading out of the emergency room, and the guy says, you're in 5019, and he says, you're, you're in bed too. So, you know, if you're like me, I'm thinking that means there's two beds in that room. And as we're going out, he says, now, you know what room two means? He says, that means you're in the hallway. And he smiled. Now, folks, if you've been in the hallway of the emergency room and somebody's joking around with you about going up and being in the hallway, you're not going to think that's funny. And we thought he was kidding around, and, and he looked at us, and, he, and I said, you're serious, aren't you? And he goes, yeah. So we went up there, and, and sure enough, they put my wife in the hallway up on the fifth floor. We never said a word. We never complained. We never griped about it. I was glad she was getting some care. My wife was there. They said, the first person that is discharged today, they're going to put you in that first room. That was 7 o'clock in the morning. 3.30 in the afternoon, she was still in the hallway. And I thought, wow, they are busy, you know? And, they, and I thought, maybe nobody got discharged. And again, we never complained. We asked ever so often, hey, is, is it going to be possible? Do you have any rooms? And of course, the nurses, they're just doing whatever they can. <laughs> and and uh, Robert had been texting me back and forth, and he just kept texting me the same thing. Are you in a room yet? Are you in a room yet? And I just kept saying, no, no, we're not. And then Robert texted me and said, hey, listen, you ought to call so-and-so. And I said, do you have a number? He texted me this number. And uh, so I... <laughs> I, I thought, well, you know, uh, for my wife's sake, so she'd get some sleep, some rest, get out of the hallway. I, I went out by the elevators, and I called that number that he gave me, and I didn't even know there was a person that you could call, and it had not been for Robert, I wouldn't have known. I called, and I said, listen, my name is Dane Keeley. My wife's in the hospital. I explained the whole thing. I said, I'm, I'm not calling you to complain. I said, I was told that, that if something's happening that you actually want to know about it. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, what's, what's going on? I told her. And she said, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry, Miss." She was apologetic. 
I was kind to her. I was nice to her. I, I was just trying to be long-suffering about the whole thing. And again, it was no one's fault, per se. <clears throat> and, and so <laughs> she said, uh, let me make a couple phone calls. I'll call you back. Well, you know, a lot of times we hear that. And so I, I just, okay, I hung up the phone. About 20 minutes later, she called me back. She said, I talked to a couple people. Somebody will be coming to see you. And so sure enough, 20, 25 minutes later, here comes a guy and, and the head nurse. And, and he sticks his head in the, we were in the hallway. We had these little makeshift curtains around us. You know, we were in our own little private cocoon there. And he sticks his head in and he goes, Pastor? And I looked at him, I'm like, I'm looking at this guy like, do I know this guy? Has he been to our church? You know, how does he know I'm a pastor? They said, listen, we, and honestly, I thought they thought we were just going to go off on them. Just let them have it. And I just, I said, look, we're not mad. Honestly, we understand. It may not be possible. The only thing is, I'm just asking if there's any way at all for my wife's sake, I'd just love for her to be able to get into a room. I don't, it doesn't matter, but, but if not, that's fine. He said, listen, there's some people that are going to be discharged. He says, let us, let us take care of it. He says, we'll, 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 we'll make it happen. And I, again, I thought, okay, I've heard that before. So they left. 20 minutes later, the curtains flew back. Six people. They started grabbing my stuff, my wife's stuff, my wife's bed. I mean, every, and we're down the hallway. They get us in. Then she's like, look, we've got, we've got cable TV. We've got a room with a view. We've got, you know, and I, they made it sound like the Marriott, you know. <laughs> and I texted Robert and I said, listen, did you call someone? And, you know, being Robert, he's like, well, I just checked to see if the number worked. I said, did you happen to tell someone? that your pastor was here with his wife in the hallway, and he texts back, yes. <laughs> you know the first thought that crossed my mind? I sure am glad that I had the fruit of the Spirit because I would have felt really bad if that man would have known that I was a pastor and I lost it. And I started screaming and hollering. Folks, look, you have to understand, when you got saved, God wants us to have some fruit of righteousness. He's talking about inward attitudes, but look at this, also outward actions. John 15, look, if ye abide in me and my words in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. And look at these words. This is what Jesus said. I'm not the one that said this. He says, herein is my Father glorified. Look at the words that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my what? Disciples. What's another word for disciple? Follower, right? A follower of Christ. Folks, if we are discerning and we're making decisions based on the Spirit of God, then we're going to be delivering. There's going to be something that comes out of our lives there's going to be a product of righteousness. Paul says in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 22, If I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet what I shall choose, I would not. Folks, look, do not be a carnal Christian. Don't live according to the flesh. Have the Spirit 
of Christ, the product of righteousness. And so we need to deliver a product of righteousness. But then he says here in verse number 11, we need to deliver praise to God. The Bible says in verse 11, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. Folks, look, God is glorified when we bear fruit. Again, Jesus says herein, in this, is my Father glorified. And what does God want us to do? He wants us, just like the church in Philippi, to continue to bear fruit for the Lord. So here's the question tonight. Are you filled with God's fruit? Are you filled with God's fruit? The only way you'll be filled with God's fruit is if you're, if you're discerning things and you're making spiritual decisions. And from those two decisions, you will deliver the fruits of righteousness and God will get all the glory and God will be praised through it all. How many of you want to live your life that way? I hope all of us do. Listen, especially during this Christmas season, this is what we need, is we need these three elements. And again, we're going to have to test them some things. We're going to have to. How do we test them? The first test is by the Holy Spirit. And the second test is by the Scriptures. Let's bow our heads tonight with our heads bowed. Tonight's been kind of a teaching, kind of a pastor sharing his heart from the Word of God. And I hope you understand my heart is, is that I love you. God loves you. God wants to make sure that what we're doing is pleasing to Him, that it's acceptable in His sight. Folks, listen, do not be led astray. The devil is walking about seeking whom he may what? Devour. The devil wants to make you and I and this church disappear. But it will stand as long as we take the word of God and we discern, we decide, and then there's some fruit delivered from our lives. Lord, thank you for this evening. Three simple verses. We think about these words. God, help us to be discerning Christians. Help us to make some spiritual decisions. And then out of our lives, Lord, that there would be something delivered that's acceptable and pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you stand in